Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, it's Kelly, and this week we continue to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album and tour by speaking to the people who played an important role in its success. Joining us is dancer and choreographer Terry Bixler, who was an instrumental part of the team choreographing the infamous chair dance for Miss You Much, as well as assisting on other songs and being a featured dancer on the world tour. Terry has some incredible insight into how Rhythm Nation came together, fascinating behind-the-scenes stories, and why Rhythm Nation ended up being such a success right around the world. Terry, welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show. No problem, Kelly. How are you? I am fantastic, and I'm super happy to have you back. We actually spoke to you five years ago for the uh, 25th anniversary of Rhythm Nation, and so much has actually gone down since then with regards to Rhythm Nation and and, uh, just the different celebrations that have been going on. So I'm very happy to have you back on. I did want to start off by asking you, though, just to remind fans, how did you get involved with the Rhythm Nation project itself? Uh, I stumbled into it, actually. Okay, that's good. <laughs> um, gosh, I hope my stories don't change from five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put them side by um, side on the website. I know, right? <laughs> then suddenly I'm under the hot lamp. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's for me, uh, I was fortunate enough that this past Sunday, I was uh, I sat on a panel with uh, Jimmy Locust, who was one of the dancers from Rhythm Nation. Terry, uh, Terrence Yates, uh, um, who also was a dancer in the in the film short, um, uh, and uh, Travis. Uh, he was you know he was on tour with us for the second the last quarter of the Rhythm Nation tour, and we you know we talked about a lot of things. A lot of things came up, and I never really thought of it this way but i didn't consider myself a dancer until i did the rhythm nation project and we we talked a little bit about that uh this past sunday um i started dancing uh, i i was a professional skateboarder and i walked into a nightclub at age 20 and saw some guys popping and i decided i wanted to copy what it was they were doing or learn what they were doing so I, they weren't teaching it to anybody. So I had to start learning it on my own. There was a few other dancers in the club that were uh, well ahead of me. Uh, Anthony Thomas was one of them. He was in the club. He was part of a group called Rhythmatic Boogie. And uh, so as I started to progress and get better and better, me and Anthony would, uh, you know, we'd meet up at the club on Saturdays or Sunday, Fridays and Saturdays. And uh, the first thing I'd do when I saw him is we'd run upstairs. This was a big club. We'd run upstairs and we'd share some moves. Oh, would you, would you come up with this week? And so that was kind of cool. We got to know each other very well, but he was in a group. I was in a group then I joined another group, you know, through a series of events. Uh, and then there was Renee. Renee was at the club and uh, a few other people. Through a series of events, we would end up becoming a group called LA City Rockers, which was me, Renee, Anthony, and uh, a, a guy named James Jazzy Everett. So uh, there was the four of us. And then uh, through a series of events, uh, Janet would come across, you know, our, our path a couple of times, and she kind of uh, developed a little crush on Renee. Uh, Renee reciprocated, and uh, ultimately, that's how that got started. And Renee was busy with other things. Um, this was around, you know, this was right before the Control album came out, and so you know, you got Renee who's getting busy doing other things, and he's really getting started to get involved with a lot of things that Janet's doing. 
you know, and uh, Renee's always been incredibly creative and always long before this, always had visions on, he taught me how to look at films. He taught me, you know, how to appreciate uh, cinematography and things like that. Things we take for granted when we watch films. So he was already ahead of the game and into these things. And then he gets into Janet's camp and they start working creatively and he's, you know, coming up, helping come up with ideas and stuff like that. And then here comes this, uh, this, this project, you know, um, and we had performed prior to that somewhere around 87, me, uh, Renee was no longer in the group. So to replace him, we put two, uh, two girls in the group. Um, by no stretch am I saying it takes two girls to fill one guy's spot, but we just took advantage and made it five. Um, so, uh, we were performing for a while and then, the three guys, then we started to slow down. And the three guys, me, Anthony, and Jazzy, were performing at a nightclub uh, called Casanova's. We were doing a fashion show for one of the girls that was actually in the group. So it was just us three. We did a popping number and a locking number. And the night we did locking number, we also did a chair routine. Now, I had done a chair routine years earlier with a guy named Sean uh, from a group called uh, Body Magic. And they, they also, they came out of the Ozone, which was the club where I met Anthony and Renee and all, all these fantastic people. So we, we, did this chair, we did this chair routine long, long, long ago. And then I saw the same chair sitting at this club, Casanova's. And I'm like, hey, let's grab these chairs and let's do this routine. So I thought this routine together real quick. And then we did it at the Casanova's. And then Renee comes backstage right after we did that routine. And he goes, don't ever do it again. Janet wants to use it in her next project. Now, this is 1987, so we're going to have to wait a while. Wow. So, yeah. So, uh, long story short, Tony Basil, a good friend of mine, uh, hired me, Jazzy, and Anthony to perform several times between uh, the times we were at, because she was also in the audience that night, and she saw the chair routine. So, she hired us several times. We did the Smothers Brothers show, the late night. We did a couple of uh, performance where she would actually sing. Uh, and if, you know, I would assume everybody knows who Tony Basil is. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. She had several songs and then, but she was also a major choreographer, a major actress. She was one of the original walkers and, uh, she settled into choreography for, you know, Bette Midler, David Bowie, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, she hired us like three or four times before rhythm nation. And every time she hired us, we'd get about halfway through the project and she'd bring up the chairs hey, guys, uh, you know, what about the chairs? Can we bring the chairs into this? And I'd be like, let me look into that for you. But basically, I just kept putting it on hold because I knew Janet wanted to use it. Now, meantime, Anthony had already developed his new style of dance, which he was calling friction. I wanted him to call it, <laughs> but he wanted to call it friction. It's his dance. He can call it whatever he wants. But ultimately, it was Anthony's style. And uh, he had a whole other thing going on. And I kept pressing on Janet Renee. Anthony's coming up hard with some really new stuff. You really got to. Now, they're what, they see what he's doing. But I'm seeing it more often because I'm around him more often. And uh, so I'm pressing on them to latch on to Anthony. Well, they had already seen a little bit of what he was doing when he worked on Control with Paula. So uh, as we're getting closer to this Rhythm Nation project, now the concept is not in place. Nobody's talking Rhythm Nation yet. We just know that Anthony's getting on board and I'm going to come in and I'm going to do a little bit of choreography. And um, so as they uh, get ready to, uh, uh, Janet gets ready to go out to Minneapolis and work with Jimmy and Terry, 
they actually decide we're going to take Anthony with us and he's going to work in the studio. We're going to give him, you know, early tracks and let him start working, getting some ideas going because we're going to work really conceptual. You know, Janet wanted to do a very social, socially conscious concept for this album. Um, And uh, somewhere in there, Renee is, is working on this whole military vibe where he wants everything just to be so regimented. So, you know, from their collective creative concepts comes this whole rhythm nation, uh, vis- you know, visual and, and, and uh, obviously Jimmy and Terry are there working on it as well. So um, soon as, and I keep, I, they keep playing these tracks for me uh, as, as they're coming. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing rhythm nation tracks before they even have vocals on them. So that's very exciting because the music is already crazy good. So you can only imagine what it's going to be like when Janet lays down her vocals. And um, so we're all getting excited about it. And then it comes time. And, and all of a sudden there's Renee. I remember being in his kitchen at their, his, his, him and Janet's house up at Mountain Gate and Renee throwing ideas and, and sharing choreography concepts and saying, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And then we did that. So we all started doing it. So in short, um, I snuck in the back door, you know, <laughs> sometimes it actually is who, you know, uh, I knew Renee, we were, we were, you know, great friends at the time. And then, you know, he comes into, in with Janet, but I guess it, it works both ways. Cause I would have to say, I wouldn't be doing, or I wouldn't have done the things I've been able to do had I not been part of that project but would that project exist the way it does today without Renee and therefore without Anthony and therefore without me and Tina and everybody else who contributed, including, you know, Jimmy and Terry. And that is just like the perfect storm. So, you know, like I said, I came in through the back door and, you know, I just rode that wave and, you know, a lot of good things came out of it on both sides. When it came time to be, um, auditioning the dancers who were going to be in the long form video and then in like Miss You Much and, and Escapade and all that sort of stuff. Terry, did you have a hand in, in picking dancers? You know, it was interesting. When we first did the auditions, it wasn't Anthony who held the auditions. Um, Anthony was so new to this and Janet and Renee both wanted to make sure things went smooth. Now, could he have handled it? A hundred percent. You know, Janet didn't know Anthony that well at this point. Um, so they had, plus she had literally wanted Anthony to sit back and kind of uh, be part of sitting on the other end of on, uh, other side of the table with her and get opinions on how they were learning it. Barry Lather actually came in and did the choreo for the uh, original audition for dancers for the Rhythm Nation film short. So um, I was there, I was in the room, I was watching, I, obviously I didn't have to audition and, you know, hence my comment about sneaking in the back door. Um <laughs> So, but all these fantastic dancers. Now, keep in mind, for me, this is a very, very, very intimidating situation because since I started dancing Christmas of 79 and all the way up through, you know, becoming uh, parts of three different groups, settling into the L.A. City Rockers, then becoming the uh, Puma Street Force, and it's me, Anthony, Jazzy, and Renee, you know, just on lockdown, working it out. And then, you know, we add two girls to the group. But nevertheless, this is all flowing. 
but it's one aspect of dance. It's popping, locking, breaking for me. I don't do anything else. You know, when old school hip hop, as you know, they call it these days, like the running man, those are all club dances, but nevertheless, they were out around the time hip hop was, you know, coming forth. All these dances, I wasn't really a big fan of doing those old school party dances. Um, They were fun to look at. I just, for me, you know, me doing those felt like I was copying everybody else. I, I, I have more fun with my dance when I feel like I'm working internally creatively. So I'm always trying to come up with my versions of things. So as I'm standing in the room and this has happened several times to this point, and it's just kind of, you know, it's a crescendo of this at this moment, which is I'm watching all these professional dancers dancing since their kids came up through studio life, technically trained, they're in the room and the room is packed and there's people waiting outside and everybody wants to get in and we're bringing in the big groups and Barry Lather's just chopping people off. Boom. Good. Thank you. You stay, you go, blah, 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 blah. I've been through this. I've seen this process before, but because I was not a technically trained dancer, hip hop street dance auditions were never run the same way. Um, you came in, you ran it, then they picked you. And usually it was the four boys that showed up when the LA city rockers walked into an audition. You could hear all the other street dancers in the room go, Oh crap. The LA city rockers are here. Like we were going to get it. We didn't always get it, but there was a good chance we would. Whereas now I'm sitting here watching all these technical dancers and now I'm part of the process. I'm already in, but I have to keep up with all of them. Now, keep in mind, I'm just a popper, locker, and a breaker. I don't do what Anthony does, although I want to. So as, you know, life would have it, I would become a dancer through the process of this project. So me personally, I owe, I owe everything to Rhythm Nation, Renee, Anthony, Janet. I owe everything as far as me as a dancer to them, because that is the project that, that when I finally felt like I was a dancer once I was part of that project, I felt like I was with dancers. I was part of it. I made a lot of new friends. And these were people I normally wouldn't have crossed paths with because throughout the almost all of the 80s, like literally leading up to 87, there was such a division between technical dancers and street dancers. It wasn't a war. It was just a division, you know, mm-hmm. and it was right around 88. Uh, I'd like to say that, you know, Janet had a lot to do with, um, the, the, the cross-pollination of, of these two styles and where it is now. Well, I have to say, like, when I saw you perform, for example, on uh, the American Music Awards, I guess so, that would have been, like, January of 1990, I just remember, like, you definitely stuck stuck out to me. I just remember, and I was like, he is so fluid. So you're definitely a dancer by then, I can tell you, because I there was no question to me that you were such a good and, and important member of the team. Um, and so... I wanted to know, too, when you were a part of the audition process and watching all these other dancers, um, what was the vibe that Janet was giving out? Because I'm assuming, like, she's always said, and and we're going to get to this later, when you were a part of the Hollywood Bowl experience two years ago, but it just seems like family is very important to her and her dancers are her family. A hundred percent. You know, (laughs) on that note, uh, maybe I didn't know any better, but it seemed like we were treated like all the dancers that ended up uh, doing the film short, we were all treated with so much respect. And, uh, and, you know, that comes from uh, the Janet and Renee camp and, um, 
And then moving on to the tour, when we finally decided who was going on tour, the dancers, uh, we were spoiled. You know, we, we were. She has always treated, Janet has always treated everyone she works with, I guess, as equals, which is crazy because we're not. You know what I mean? We do what we do. She does what she does. Realistically, we're not equals. Janet's way up there. <laughs> but she always treats us like we're equals, you know? And uh, I've seen her do it with every generation of dancers that have come through. Um, you know, packing us up and taking us to Hawaii to, to rehearse. What? You know what I mean? That's just bananas. But uh, it's always been like that with her. So just uh, when you're in your family. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think that's a, a big reason why the fans are not only fans of hers, but they're fans of you guys, because it just seems like you're one big family. We are. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I may have talked about this five years ago. I don't remember. But uh, strange things. Uh, I never started dancing because I wanted to be on stage or in front of people. It's kind of just the direct result of, I suppose, getting good at something. Um, there's if you're good at something, there's ultimately going to be an audience for it at some point. So I remember right after the Rhythm Nation tour, I was home. I was back home and I was walking in the uh, Sherman Oaks Galleria. I went into a store and I was passing through. It was just one of those little stores. I can't even remember the name of it, but it was a po- it was a popular store. And I'm passing through uh, from, you know, the front t- toward the back and a guy came walking by. He was holding several hangers and with clothes on the hangers. He walks by and he goes, hi, Tony Bixler. And I went, I went, hey, what's happening, man? And I kept walking. I'm like, oh, God, I got to know who this guy is or I'm going to be, a, I'm going to feel like an idiot. So I finally give up trying to figure out who he is. And I walk up and I went, I apologize. Where do I know from? And he goes, oh, you don't, but I know you. And I'm like, <laughs> that kind of freaked me out a little bit. I'm like, wait, what? And then, I'm, and then it starts playing back in my head. You know, there were mo- little moments like that when, when I was on tour or at a venue where people would expect to see somebody from the Janet tour because they were either in the area or the tour was there. You come out of your hotel, somebody would ask you for an autograph. Uh, when, when, you know, you get off the bus and with fans, you expect all that. But when you're back home, the tour is over and you're walking in the mall and somebody hits you up like that that you've never seen before, it's a trip especially for somebody at my stage, because I'm nobody, you know what I mean? I'm a dancer on stage, but it's just, it's amazing how when the fans are into a project, it's almost like they know that it wasn't just the artist up there who made all of this happen. It's a recognition for a while there. I felt kind of weird about it. Like I hate signing autographs. I hate it, but I also have to respect that process and understand what it means. Cause when you're part of something and somebody asks you for your autograph, it's not that, 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 that it's some sort of, you know, star struck or anything like that. Uh, it's number one, it's very sincere. And number two, it's a recognition that, Hey, it takes a village, you know, to put up a whole program, a whole project like rhythm nation, Obviously, it starts with Janet, because if you don't have a Janet, it's never going to happen. But from there, you have to have all these other incredible moving parts that are all, you know, uh, making it come together. And it took me a while to understand that when these fans know who you are, 
it's their recognition of that moment. It's, it's, they're giving you credit for the part you played. It's not just, oh, I saw you on TV, but does that make sense? What I'm yes, saying? it does. I, and I've had this discussion actually with uh, Tina Landon before because we've talked about how, you know, she ended up getting her own fans because of being out with Janet, specifically when the Rhythm Nation tour started. So I wanted to ask you too, when you were out on that tour, um, were you aware of just how much of an impact you were having on each city and each country you were going to, or were you guys too much in a bubble? That question is probably served best to someone else. And the reason I say that is because I'm, I don't do any form of social media. Not that there was a lot of it going on back then, but I'm semi-reclusive. Um, the whole time we were on tour, uh, everybody else after a show would go to sleep on the bus for you know a six to seven hour to eight hour ride, sometimes longer, to go to the next city. Um, well, I don't sleep well, so I certainly don't sleep when I'm traveling. So I'd stay up that whole time. We'd get to a hotel. I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up at, you know, two o'clock and go straight because our call time on for the bus would be three o'clock. We'd go straight to the bus. So I wasn't really out and about as much as everybody else. So when you talk about a bubble, I was absolutely in a bubble. It wasn't that I didn't see things. Here's where I saw things. We'd get to the venue and Renee would come up to me and uh, Janet and Renee, very, very smart about this. They got rid of the, they wouldn't sell the first two rows uh, of the, uh, of the tickets for the, for the concert. They wanted to fill that with real fans, not the people who could afford it. So when we would get there, Renee would bust out all these tickets and he would hand me a stack. He would go one direction. I'd go another. This is right before the show would start. We'd start finding just people that look like real Janet fans, which I mean, the place is full of them. So now you got to dissect and find the real, real crazy Janet fans. Like, so we'd go up and we'd just be searching all over and we'd be, I'd have to go up and introduce myself. Sometimes they'd know who I was, which made it easy, but sometimes they wouldn't. They hadn't seen the tour yet. They, you know, they didn't know who I was. So I would be like, Hey, uh, da, 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 How would you like to, uh, you know, sit in the front row? These were people who had nosebleed seats and you'd be like, and first off, they wouldn't trust you, you know, so <laughs> on that level, you know, and then trading their tickets. And so several times I'd have to literally because I knew they'd be leery about giving me their tickets. I'd literally walk them down to the front row. They'd, they'd be freaking out. So on, on, on that level, I got to see it. I got to see the impact. And, you know, obviously some cities more so than others. I remember being at, you know, the egg dome in Tokyo and it was so loud. Like it, it was almost like the sound of the audience in the opening. Cause I remember the first opening show in, in uh, Miami. Now that was technically our second. We did a, we did a opening night that Janet gave free tickets to. This was a last minute decision that they announced it on the radio. And this was in Pensacola. We wanted to do a dry run before we even hit uh, Miami. So, but our official opening date was in my, I want to say it was Miami. And I remember being on stage and in the beginning when Janet would rise from the floor in that box, it was like, it's magic trick. And then it, then she was revealed way up above when, uh, to the, you know, the creed from control, um, during that whole little rumbling, the four boys that were on stage, uh, Lavelle, Anthony, myself, and uh, Art Palmer, God rest his soul, were 
we're looking at each other that opening night. We're not supposed to be moving at all, but I can't help but just kind of slightly move my head and look at these guys and go, what the hell? It felt like the audience was literally blowing us forward. That's what it felt like. It was so loud. The impact, you know? Now, I had never been... I'd been on stage a, a ridiculous amount of times at that point, but never like that. You know, we had done television shows. We had done a European promo tour. I was on stage with the LA City Rockers. We had done this. I performed uh, halftime for the Lakers with the LA City Rockers maybe four or five times through Paula Abdul. I had performed at uh, Candlestick Park, uh, you know, halftime for the uh, 49ers. And nothing felt like that first night in, in Florida. It felt like they were, like we, they were, their, I don't even know what to call it. Just their response was like, felt like it was going to get ready to blow us over. Um, and then, you know, you get into a, a place as big as uh, uh, the Egg Dome, and it was just that big. But it's the walking around afterwards, especially like in a place like Japan. Oh, it was crazy. People were picking you out. You could just be walking down the street. People would pick you out. It was it was the craziest thing. We went up to every club we went to. All we had to do was wear our laminate, and they would just shove us right in the door. Whatever the cover charge was, as soon as you walked up with that laminate, they would just, oh, oh, oh and they'd give you a table. So, you know, it's just, it was, it was, it was kind of crazy. And that's just me. And I didn't even go out much because some of the band members, the band guys, they were going out every night. (laughs) Can you talk to us a little bit, Terry, just about on tour? um, Because that was Janet's first tour. And so I'm just wondering, especially with those initial first dates, like, what was it like watching her, watching her fans? Like, or I know you obviously had a lot to do on stage and, and, but maybe just even before you guys hit the stage, like, was it overwhelming for her at the beginning was she ready because she's a jackson like what was that like those first like 10 shows let's say i can honestly tell you that as awesome as she is there's no way she wasn't nervous you know what i mean of course she was nervous that's that's just that's her first tour she wants to do great um i can't even imagine because of how nervous i was i can't even imagine having to be her and pull that off that's that to me is bananas. You know, I don't know how many of us were running around worried about ourselves, but I'd have to really dig deep to go back and know what, it, remember what it felt like just to be me on that stage. Now, I can't speak to Lavelle because Lavelle, again, was a trained dancer who'd come up, and Lavelle had just come off of uh, of uh, Michael Jackson's tour. You know, he, he came off that tour. So, um, but then there's, so he was used to that. He knew what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. Um, Janet has performed in front of, you know, large audiences. But being the star of that Rhythm Nation tour and going out on her own tour for the first time, that first opening night, those first few dates, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in her position. Because that's just, that's a lot to carry. Because I felt like I had a lot to carry. And I was just a backup dancer, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know she was nervous and we would talk afterwards sometimes and she would tell me, you know, gosh, I was so nervous. And, you know, someone would like the smoke machine. It got a little slippery over in the corner, blah, 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 whatever. You know, there was always these little things, but you definitely saw where, where she 
absolutely became very, very comfortable. It didn't take her long because, again, you know, she's been performing since she's a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a whole nother this was a whole nother kind of pressure. But, you know, we had come off the European promo tour. So she had been in front of large audiences doing that, you know, two songs, whatever. But now here's a whole show. She's going to carry it. It's just her and us and, you know, the band and, uh, you know, over a series of uh, events you watch, you could see her getting more comfortable, more playful, and uh, and just in a more playful mood, you know, afterwards, a little more relaxed, a little more fun. Here comes another show. Let's go rock this. Well, that's cool. And, yeah, and can you talk I to us? I still can't even imagine. <laughs> can you talk to us too? Because I've, I've spoken to Tina about this before, but I've, I've never got your opinion on it. Um, and she sort of just brought it up on her own, Tina, where she's talked about, you know, because she was obviously with you guys for Rhythm Nation, Tina, and then she did the Janet tour and then she did the Velvet Rope tour with, with, with Janet. And so she talked about how over the course of those three projects, um, she got to know just how much Janet always had the fans in her hearts and, and mind uh, with regards to what she was going to put on stage and, and, and how important they were to her. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, what what is it about Janet and her concern for her fans? Like, I just, because not a lot of artists, and I think some of the newer artists, especially as we've gotten into the, the you know, self-indulgent uh, era of life, I think we're just everybody's out Mimi and selfies sure. and all that stuff. But Janet, I think, is always turning the mirror outwards to her fans and, and trying to be so conscious of them. What is it about Janet that she cares so much about her fans and, and wants the best for them? Um, I, I don't think that's exclusive. I think that's just how she's built. I think there are people who care about others, uh, as I got to know Janet before we even went on tour, you know, I mean, it was me, Renee, Janet, Anthony, we, we would hang out before the, the rhythm nation project even kicked in. Me and Renee were on the same paintball team, blah, 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 blah. We would go over the house all the time. Uh, she's just one who cares. And it's not, you know, people who care about other people, it's not, it's not a on and off switch. So if you honestly care about other people and you care what's going on around you, and you care what's going on with your neighbors and, 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 you know, in the world and you're paying attention, that's going to spill over into your everyday life. Um, now you take somebody like Janet, who is, uh, she's got this incredible amount of fans. It's not going to stop. It's, it's only going to accentuate. It's, it's going to escalate. It's going to be caring about, thousands of people on a whole nother level because it's not just what's going on in the world and what's going wrong in the world but like i said it's not a but you turn on and off that i saw way early on it was obvious to me that i mean just listening to conversations that renee and janet would have you know janet would say things and i was just picking up small pieces of what they were saying about helping people and this and that and concern and care and you hear these things and then you watch how janet is with all the people that work around her and then you watch how she is with fans that's just her as a human that's that's not oh you know i'm janet uh i want to i'm going to care about i gotta you know care about my fans so it looks good no 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 because there's a lot of people you know the difference we all we all we're not stupid we all know the difference Mm -hmm. we can tell when somebody's doing something because they're supposed to and when somebody's doing something because it's innate 
Yeah, perfect. You know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've been speaking a lot about um, Janet and Ray in the same sentence. And I kind of wanted to know because, yeah, like they just seem like the perfect A-team, you know, back in the day for Rhythm Nation. And obviously it carried forward for for many years after that. But what is it about uh, or what was it about Janet and Renee that created that? you know, incredible volcano of, of skill and talent and creativity that, that super translated so well with her fans around the world? Um, I think uh, together, I mean, look, they're both, in my opinion, they're both creative superpowers. So now you put them together and this is incredibly rare, willing to listen to other people's ideas. So now you take those two and you put them together and they're, and you know, cause you know, anybody who's creative will tell you they do not like compromise. They don't, you know, um, it's a seasoned, it's a seasoned pro. I could tell you, I've been creative my whole life and I didn't know it. Um, I didn't even know what the word creativity meant, you know, when I was making up skateboard moves. And then when I started making up all my own dance moves, I wasn't thinking this is choreography. This is creativity. Those words weren't, you know, coming out of my mouth. I didn't know what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. Um, and I can tell you for many, many years, I didn't want to compromise on my ideas. That's a very, very close. I do now. I love compromise. Now I love sharing. I don't choreograph any numbers by myself. I think too much of me is a bad thing. Um, (laughs) but so I look forward to every single number I do. I, I, I get to work with some incredible choreographers, uh, at the studio now at new world dance. We're bringing in some hot young up and comers and they're just bringing heat. And what's funny is they all kind of fed off of like Marty Kadelka and Tabitha Napoleon, you know, and, and Chris Judd and, and those guys fed off me and Anthony. So now here I am back around at the backside feeding off of them. So it's like this full circle thing. So, you know, uh, but for Janet and Renee at such, in my opinion, young ages, hooking up, getting together and sharing these creative ideas and actually getting them to, to uh, coexist and work well together. That's insane. That's why it came out the way it did was because they were all, and listen, including Anthony, including uh, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, they were in on that too. But these were the guys all take all those, because obviously all those names I just dropped, all of them are creative forces and they all came together. And that's, that shows you right there. When you can get all these creative forces to come together and work together, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get something special. And it's hard to do because, you know, all chiefs and no Indians usually doesn't work. So Joining us on the show, dancer and choreographer, Terry Bixler. You can follow him on Instagram at Terry Bixler official. Now I have to talk about Missy much. I want to talk about Missy much. And if I don't, I'll be shot. So I want to bring you back to the fact that like, you did that dance over like 30 years ago and uh, like the chair dance part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still legendary, ter- like Terry, like it's still legendary. And there's been people that have tried to copy it or do their version of it, but it's still like a Janet thing and it's a Terry Bixler thing. And so how does it feel looking back 30 years later going, this is still a thing? It's actually really cool. You know, uh, what's funny to me is that I don't mean disrespect to it by any stretch. You know, I mentioned earlier that, the, the first time I ever danced in chairs, it was me and a guy named Sean Weddington. His nickname was Panda. And he was from another group. And it was just me and him dancing on Halloween night uh, at the Ozone. And 
the ozone had those chairs, so we threw together this routine. That wasn't the same routine. It was just what we threw together then. But there was two moves that I had made up for that routine that I carried over to uh, the next chair routine we did, which was at Casanova's that night with me, Jazzy, and Anthony, where Renee said, don't ever do that again. Janet's going to want it. So then, you know, getting the chairs, you know, going to production and going, these are the kind of chairs we need. And I remember the first chairs they got us were just completely wrong. And I said, oh, no, no, no. They have to be these type of chairs. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken a hardcore look at a, uh, a cane back, a Bentwood chair. They call it, they've been called hairpin, ice cream, uh, cane back. They've been called all these different things. So sometimes they're hard to find, but they, they are so much more than something you sit in when, when I get one in my hands. It's like there's all these places to grab it and flip it and twist it and throw it. And so, you know, coming up with that routine for that project at that moment was obviously epic for me, uh, just being given the opportunity. And, you know, you're not thinking at the time you do it, or you're just thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. You know what I mean? They're going to go out and they're going to come back in. It's not the end. No, boom. And then we hit them and, you know, the hat's on the foot. And so it's cool and everything, but then, you know, years later, people are talking about, you know, it comes up in conversation. You know, I remember Renee, <laughs> Renee, uh, introducing me to people, you know, years later. Yeah. This is Terry Bixler. Uh, uh, he's the one who did the chair routine. <laughs> I was just looking at him like, this is, this is how it goes down. Huh? I'm forever the guy that did the chair routine. So, but since that moment, I've probably choreographed four or five other chair routines Obviously, I'm dancing in a chair, and I, they're always locking-based. For some reason, locking works really good uh, for, you know, dancing in the chairs. So, and that kind of straight rhythm atmosphere. But, you know, I, I've since come up with versions that I might even like better than the original. And when I say the original, I'm talking about the one with Janet, yeah. uh, even though it's not the original. So, but, I mean, who's to say it's the original? If you watch... Uh, you know, Donald O'Connor and, and Gene Kelly in Singing in the Rain, you know, they're dancing on those chairs. Now, those chairs, they're kind of pretty much sitting up against a wall, and they're not, they're not really moving the chairs. But nevertheless, how far back would we have to go back to call something an original? Um, oddly enough, I had never seen that before until after I did the chair routine. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, so that's what people were talking about when they would mention singing in the rain in the same breath as Janet's chair routine. Hmm. You know, I would later understand why. Great piece, though. Phenomenal piece. Was Janet, you, and Anthony always going to be the three that were going to do the chair dance? Um, I want to say, I mean, in my opinion, absolutely. A hundred percent. Um because I knew Anthony was going to rock it out and obviously Janet was going to do it. So that was kind of a no brainer. I don't know how it came about that. It was just going to be me and Janet and Anthony that I don't know. Cause we never really auditioned other dancers for it. I mean, look, we had a room full of awesome dancers. They all probably could have, you know, learned it and knocked it out. I think the concern at that moment was, because it was locking based and the dan most of the dancers that we had working with us on the, on the film project uh, didn't have a locking background. I thought, you know, I'm thinking maybe Renee thought, 
you know, trying to teach them the locking, then teach them the correct way to do the stair routine might be too much because we were on a budget, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our time in rehearsal was spent, you know, on Rhythm Nation, Miss You Much, and all that stuff. You know, uh, it, when came down to the chair routine, uh, me, Anthony, and, and Janet, we were already pressed for time just trying to just trying to get it done. So that probably pay, played a large part in it. I, I honestly don't remember how the decision was made that it would just be just be us three, but the three of us were obviously going to be in it. Mm-hmm. And was it always going to be in Miss You Much? I don't know when that decision came up either. I know that Jimmy had to put together a special little instrumental breakdown so we could add that in. So that was, you know, Janet saying true to her word about don't do it again. We want to, uh, you know, Janet says she wants to use it. And so at some point, Renee came to me and he said, bro, you're going to love this, man. We're going to do Miss You Much. And then, you know, it's going to fade out and it's going to, you're going to hear Janet say, is that the end? No. And then it's going to come back in. You guys are going to do the charity. Wow. So I just, I remember that conversation, but I also remember getting that advanced track and then Jimmy ending, ending, uh, putting some sound effects to it after we did it kind of like the old school movies. Like when you see us, push over on our uh, onto our knees forward and it goes boom jimmy added that sound effect after we shot it oh wow so that's that's yeah 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 that's very old school that's really cool. That's awesome. And and how was yeah. it? Um, I think we probably talked about this five years ago, but just a quick reminder: like when it came down to shooting the chair routine, I think it was in the middle of the night, was it not? And and how did it go? Like, were you guys ready to just knock it out? Uh, correction. It was not middle of the night. It was middle of the morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were well past night at that point, okay. and people had forgotten about it. Um, I remember Dominic uh, Senna, who was the director. He almost, not a meltdown, because he's a really cool, cool guy. But I just remember him, the look on his face when somebody, somebody, I, I, I want to say somebody said, that's a wrap. And a few people were like, no. <laughs> and people were starting to hover and walk. And then all of a sudden, uh, I think Renee was talking to Dominic. And you just saw the, like, the rolling of the head. You know what I mean? So you can only imagine what his eyes were doing. <laughs> And then he like turned around and he said, all right, let's move it over to blah, blah, blah. And they started moving it. So it was just a few seconds of we thought we were done. And then we're like, no, no, we still have to do the chair routine. That was a tough one because it was literally the last thing we did. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And did you did you nail it pretty quickly or did you have to do it like a bunch of times? Um, you know, we were nailing the chair routine, but nailing the hats at the end was another story. Yeah, that's what I thought. There was always somebody... <laughs> messing it up you know and here's the thing there was a safe way to do it but we didn't really want to do it the safe way um both looked okay one looked better you know just a complete release of their hat onto the foot looked the best so that's the shot we were after um later for the tour we would try to use the uh the safer version which was a little closer you know the release of the hat to the foot um but there were several nights where either me or Anthony or Janet would miss the shoe, you know, the tip of the shoe. And that hat would just hit the floor and roll. And what was funny is the lights would just stay on for a second as the hats hit the foot and then the lights would go out. But 
several times. Like the first time I missed, I missed the hat hitting my foot. It just kind of rolled across the stage. I got out of my chair real quick and I slapped Janet's hat off her shoe and <laughs> I slapped Anthony's off his shoe and ran and sat back in my chair. <laughs> Audience laughing, lights go out. So that's yeah, awesome. That happened a few times. Uh, so two years ago, you were one of the dancers that was brought back to dance with Janet at the Hollywood Bowl performance. So can you tell us how that whole thing went down? Because for us fans, it was obviously just phenomenal. I don't even think there's the right word to explain how amazing it was to see like the OG aren't like Rhythm Nation dancers back and then the Janet tour. Like it was just amazing to see all of you together. So how did that come down for you? Um, just, you know, there was whispers in the air and I can't, I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh, it was Jaime. Uh, Jaime Mendoza, who is uh, president of JDJ Productions, he was the first one I got a call from. So then I immediately reached out to Anthony. I'm like, are we seriously doing this? And then he's like, yep. <laughs> and uh, this was through text. Wow. Um, but Jaime had given me a call. And so I called him and he said, so Janet wants to blah, blah, blah. And he set the wheels in motion. Started, he even asked me if I was able to get in touch with a few other dancers. And so, you know, we all started reaching out. We all started putting together. The first thing I did was because I was incredibly rusty. I hadn't done Rhythm Nation in so long. It was crazy. So I reach out to Anthony. I'm like, bro, if we're doing this, I got to get in the room with you. Just you and me. Let's go do this. We set it up for, I think it was uh, Friday of that week. And by the time we get to Thursday, there are so many dancers that are coming to this one-on-one -on -one with just me and Anthony. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. And, you know, uh, by the time we actually got there, the room was full and it was Teresa. It was, everybody was there. Everybody was there. There was only a couple of people missing. Um, and uh, Anthony just started taking us through all of the choreo. And now I'm like, okay, I was, this is just so I could get my, you know, I hadn't done it in so long. It was crazy. So I get it going. And then I'm starting to remember how good it felt to do that dance. I mean, it really does. If any, anybody, I believe in my heart that anybody who has learned Rhythm Nation the right way, who has executed it, would tell you that dance feels so good to do correctly. Because you feel, I'm not kidding you, more so than any other dance I've ever done. When you do that dance correctly, you feel like you're doing something important. You feel like you're doing something beyond. Like, it's such an internal, amazing feeling. Like, oh, yeah, this is how dance is supposed to feel. You know? Mm -hmm. It's pretty incredible. So to end up on that stage and doing that, and, I'll, and uh, the biggest compliment I can give it is that I had just started with Birmingham, I'm sorry, with, uh, with Golden Valley High School. So aside from New World Dance being the director there, I run Birmingham High School's dance program and I run Golden Valley High School's program. And this was my first season with, with Golden Valley. And we had a very mixed group of kids. I had some kids that knew what they were doing and not a lot of technical dancers, though. They're, they're a little more, you know, hip-hop, the more commercial stuff. So we had a bunch of kids that were brand new to dance and a bunch of kids that had some training, but they were mostly all hip hop. And so as soon as this uh, thing at the Hollywood Bowl was done, I was just, I couldn't get Rhythm Nation out of my head. It just had like re-energized me in, in a whole nother way, you know? And so I decided, and I told the kids, I said, hey, you know what we're gonna do this year? We're learning Rhythm Nation because it's gonna make every single one of you better. 
You're going to learn to do it, but you're going to learn to do it right. It's going to make you better. So we did that. And we literally took it to competition. And they actually looked really good. And every single one of those kids would tell you, because I've heard them say it, Rhythm Nation got them where they are right now. They jumped they jumped five and six levels that season. I had beginners in there. And by the time we were done, those kids the following season were hardcore varsity. So that number itself does what it's supposed to do just on its own, as long as it's taught correctly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody's going to teach it the way Anthony does, but I'm, I'm pretty close. And I've studied Anthony quite a bit. I've like literally broken down, not how he moves, but how and why he moves that way. And, and its effects on other choreography and other styles of dance. So these kids were the beneficiaries of, of me being on stage at the Hollywood Bowl, and they all appreciate it. And what was it like, Terry, for you to be in that room with all those dancers before you actually, uh, you know, hit the Hollywood Bowl, like when you were in that rehearsal? And, and I, I think I, you know, I know that Janet had a pre-party, I think, the night before or something where everybody got to hang yeah. out. What was it like to not only be with your original Rhythm Nation dancers, but the ones who would come up behind you? Because I'm sure and certain that a lot of them looked up to you and, and you, you were one of the ones that inspired them to do what they do. Um, yeah, you know, that was absolutely amazing because I had only gotten a chance. Like I said, I tend to be a little reclusive. So have you ever heard of Choreographer's Carnival? Nope. It's an event. It's called the Carnival. And it's, uh, it's an event that happens once a month. Uh, every Wednesday, uh, the last Wednesday of every month, uh, something like that. Uh, uh, Carrie and Paulette put it on and it's, they've been doing it for so long. It's crazy. It's a really great event. And all these young choreographers get to, and sometimes seasoned choreographers, once in a while they'll get a Marty, they'll get an Anthony. Anthony's done Rhythm Nation up there. Um, I've had my competition teams from the studio go up there. There's a lot of names that broke over at Carnival. So they've been doing this for years. I haven't gone to Carnival in probably 10 years. And I wish I could tell you why. I'm just kind of reclusive that way. Um, I'm sorry. Back to your question. What did you ask? I feel like I'm getting. <laughs> well, you can get question? back to that later. But yeah, I did. I just asked you, uh, what was it like to have all these people that admired you? Not to mention you seeing your fellow Rhythm Nation dancers at that that experience. There you go. That's why I got on that because the hub for a lot of the dance industry, especially on 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 that side, on the hip hop and the street and the you know the alternative side of things would be a place like carnival. Well, because I never go, I never see these people. The only chance I got to meet some of the other Janet dancers uh, was either through when I was going to carnival back then, or through the fact that Janet brought me in a couple of other tours to either re go over old choreography or do the chair, redo the chair routine, which I got a chance to do. And I met some of those dancers back then, but there was a lot of dancers I didn't know at all, never had met that I got to meet on this. And it was like immediately, it's like, you know, when, you know, two movie stars who have never worked together, suddenly when they meet, it's like they know each other because everybody on planet knows who Robert De Niro is. So therefore it's almost like they know each other, even though mm-hmm. they've never met. That's what this was like. It was like meeting people I already knew that I'd never met before. And it was, that part was a little strange, but it was nice. And now, you know, uh, you know these people. When you see them again, it's just, it's, it's just nice to see what seems to be old friends, even though you, you, you've only crossed paths once or twice. 
Um, but I mean, all that talent in one room, that's insane, mm-hmm. you know, cause I remember watching all of Janet's dancers after the rhythm nation. I'm going, these guys dance just keeps getting better and better and better. All these, all these young people coming up. And then of course they're doing with the same thing. They're looking at the young folks coming up behind them, mm-hmm. thinking the same thing, giving credit where credit is due. And what um, was it like, Terry, when, when you were on stage and, and, uh, she started introducing all the dancers and you got called over, like, what was that moment like for you? Um, first I could barely hear it and I wasn't, I don't even think I knew she had called me. I think somebody had to, somebody had to tell me that she was, that she had called my name cause I couldn't hear what she was saying. And had I known everybody was going to go out there and dance before they walked up and gave her a hug, I would have done that too. But I, I said, Oh, she just called me. I'm walking over there. So I just walked over there and gave her a big hug. And, you know, I, I want to say I was the first one she called. I'm pretty sure. Um, so I was like, I don't know why she called me first, but cool. All right. I'm good with that. And uh, so that, that was pretty awesome. I'm going to tell you something that happened that night um, that nobody's aware of. I'm such an idiot. Okay. So right before we do Rhythm Nation, we did the rehearsal in you know the studio. Then we did the rehearsal on the stage and Gil was, you know, out in the uh, audience on the microphone telling everybody what was going to happen and all this. We get it all staged out. There was some on and off. So everything's great. Now concerts, going everything we're all waiting backstage it was kind of hot backstage so i went around the corner and i'm going over things and then when i come back around the corner there's nobody back there i'm like what the hell's going on and i hear the rumbling and the creed is going on i'm like holy crap i start running so fast and if you find it on youtube you have to look real close because the screen the the jumbotron in the back you can barely see my shadow, but I come running in to get into my position like literally a half a second before the lights came up for five, four, three, two, one. Oh my God. I was that close to that. I'm not kidding you. I was in such a panic and I like, as, as the Lord would have it, I got there just in time to hit five, four, three, two, one. And I'm just like in my head, I'm doing five, four, three, two, one. And I'm going, all I can hear my head saying is, idiot <laughs> i just clearly wasn't paying attention or something i don't know but if you can only imagine everybody's backstage you go around the corner you're doing something you come back around you're like okay i'm ready and nobody's there and you're like what have i done you know so, oh my god that's awesome that's that's one for the books yeah. that's really cool mm-hmm. um i did want to ask a few of us laugh at that i'm sure uh i did want to ask you too and you mentioned it when we first started chatting um was the fact that you were able to celebrate Rhythm Nation 30 just this past weekend uh, in Los Angeles yeah. with a bunch of your um, colleagues, Travis Payne and Jimmy Locust and Terry Yates. And I know Renee showed up, which was just amazing. So I wanted to ask you what it was like I, to be on that panel. I put, I, put the, I put the kibosh on him the night before. I never thought he would come, but I just reached out and I said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Blah, blah, blah. And I give him the rundown. And so he was asking me questions. And then the next day, he said, seemed interested but he didn't say anything about going and then after i got there we're hanging out we're doing this we're doing that then all of a sudden he comes walking in i was kind of blown away i was not expecting him to come in so it was it was amazing that he actually showed up and sat down and talked about a few things and answered some questions and you know uh praised praised janet for you know all of her work and everything she's done so um so yeah, it was good. It was real good. 
And what was it like to be there um, having the questions sort of thrown at you from from the fans again? Because there's just such a passion for all of Janet's catalog, but specifically, I would say, for Rhythm Nation. Um, gosh, you know, I wish I could remember some of the questions. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, I can't. But uh, we told a lot of stories, what it was. You know, somebody would have, clearly, when you ask me a question, I just start to ramble. So you can only imagine if somebody <laughs> in that audience asked me a question, it would take me from point A to point B to point C to point D, and then they'd be like, what's your question again? So, but uh, yeah, I mean, Renee, Renee gave a lot of insight. It was really nice, but I mean, it's always nice when people care passionately about something you've done or something you've been a part of. Um, But it was real nice to have Terry Yates up there and and Jimmy Locust and uh, Travis uh, Payne. And uh, it was, it was great to have everybody. And of, of course, Renee Elizondo, but to have those dancers up there because their perspective was different. Travis wasn't part of it from the beginning. He came in late. He came straight out of high school, straight into the Rhythm Nation tour. That's bananas. So you can only imagine, you know, uh, so he got a chance to tell that story. I didn't even know that story. I didn't know he came straight up out of Rhythm Nation. Uh, he came to us through the way of uh, Lavelle, uh, who had, who had, who knew Travis, but then there's Jimmy and there was Terry who were, they didn't go on the tour. They were just part of the rhythm nation film shorts. So to talk, they were able to talk to the audience about the audition process from a whole other perspective, one that I could never give, right. you know, going mm-hmm. through the process of, of, uh, Terry Yates talking about how she had to, uh, she had to take a chance on getting fired from the job she had because there was no way she was missing this audition. They told her she shouldn't go or she couldn't go she went and she got the job. That's crazy. Uh, Oh, and by the way, she wasn't even there for the first day. She, she left work just to come to the callbacks. Wow. And so that's crazy. And she had to learn the choreo that day and made it all the way through. So that's amazing. Are you, uh, Terry, um, still in contact with like any of the others that we would know, like Karen Owens or, you know what I mean? Like any of the other ones, Jocelyn Peden, like, do you still talk to them? Um, I haven't spoken with, uh, honestly, I haven't spoken with anybody in a long, long time. If I see any of them, you know, except for the ones we, we saw, you know, at, you know, Hollywood Bowl for that, but like Jimmy and, uh, um, uh, Travis, Travis, uh, you know, I saw not too long ago, uh, Jimmy, I haven't seen in years. Last time I saw Jimmy, we were laughing about it was when I brought him out to my studio and uh, he taught for me for a while. He taught for a few months. Uh, te- he was running a couple of technique classes. Um, so it had been well over 12 years since I saw Jimmy. And uh, Jocelyn, you know, she lives in Canada. Um, she opened Fusion. Um, I haven't seen her. She, these are old friends, but I haven't seen them or spoken with them in a long time. Well, that's, so, yeah, so time marches on quickly, I guess, is what, <laughs> what ends up happening, right? Yeah. That's crazy. It does. But again, that's, that's mostly, if, 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 if anybody was to blame for being out of contact, it's always me. It's always my fault. Okay. <laughs> I do, I do, yeah. I mean, I, I like, I move, I move forward. I don't really play too much in the past. And yeah. it's like... Plus, if I've got any waking moment, if I've got downtime, I'm on the golf course. Okay. So, so that's how I spend my time. I'm either working on choreography or running rehearsal or I'm on the golf course. That's my life these days. That makes sense. And uh, before I let you go, I did want to ask you, too, um, 
especially because you had that opportunity to reconnect with Janet, uh, you know, two years ago. And I'm not sure if you've been in contact with her since, but what does she mean to you now, 30 years later on from Rhythm Nation and the fact that you were able to be a part of that Hollywood Bowl experience? What she means to me now is what she's always meant to me. I just have a clearer understanding because each and every move I make in dance is directly related to the opportunities received from being part of such an amazing project. So, you know, it's not just Janet, but without a Janet, none of this exists. So at the end of the day, you know, um, it's just a clearer understanding of how appreciative we all need to be for what we all gained from being part of anything that she touches, but especially that project, because that seems to be the most, one of the most iconic in our generation. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, it's funny because when I start thinking like that, then I start thinking about, well, how did I get here in the first place? So it all comes down to a simple name and his name is Bobby Jones. And he was a kid in my neighborhood that I became friends with while I was skating. And uh, he was the one who got me to go to the ozone for the first time in my life at age 20. He was relentless. You got to go to this club. You just got to go to this club. My girlfriend went to the prom with somebody else at age, you know, 18 because I was afraid to make a fool of myself on a dance floor. And then here's this guy who's relentless. You got to go to the club. This is where all, all the hot girls are. He, got me to go to the ozone and it's in that moment that I decide or well not really decided that I just started becoming a dancer and you know then you lead all the way up to part two which is rhythm nation which actually makes me a dancer and so you know I I can put it to you this way what I would have done without rhythm nation would have would have been done by 1987 100% I would have been done with it I assume I would have been done no alternate universe but I would have been done by 1987 and would have probably moved on to something else. Wow. I'd probably be working at a golf shop. I don't know. I can't <laughs> say. But because uh, without Rhythm Nation, I wouldn't be golfing because it was Renee who got me into golf. So I don't know. So it's his fault. But, <laughs> yeah, it's all his fault. But I can honestly tell you with Rhythm Nation, that changes my entire life. Right. My entire direction. That's So, fantastic. yeah, that ultimately, without a Janet, it doesn't exist, therefore, how I live today doesn't exist. And and, incredibly appreciative. And I very, I find you're very insightful. And so I, I, and I don't think I asked you this five years ago, so I'm going to ask it now. Um, What is it in your mind, your heart, your opinion that makes Janet so special? Because I like, she obviously has an it factor, an X factor, whatever you want to call it, but it's just like, everybody loves Janet. Like she, you know, uh, like gay guys love her, soccer moms love her, like kids love her when they find out who she is. Like, what is it about Janet you think that has transcended time even? I think she's simple and yet complex. And I think because of that, she reaches, you know, all these different demographics, if that's the word I want to use. Um, for me personally, um, she's funny. She's fun to hang out with. You know, we, we hung out a lot during the Rhythm Nation tour. I, I you know, I was, I was riding her bus the dancers had their own bus. The band had their own bus. Janet had her own bus, but I was riding on Janet's bus and me, Tina and and Janet would play Monopoly or me and Janet played an enormous amount of cards. Um, So she's just fun for me personally. That's what that is. But 
there's also that whole other side that I've never really paid much attention to because I was her friend. Whereas other people who are associates or whatever, like I said earlier, you know, Janet just has uh, an honest, an honest heart. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. She's got an honest heart. When she says something, she's honest. When she's feeling something, she's honest about it. When she responds to something, it's all from a place of pure honesty from her heart. And I think that's, I think people pick that up and that's important to people. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I love you. You know that I, that I love you. And I just really appreciate that you've made time for, for us to chat. And, and thank you so much for everything you've done, because you still mean so much to us. Everything that you did back then that you continue to do and that you're such a great ambassador for Janet and for Rhythm Nation. So thank you. Well, thank you so very much for having me on. That's uh, dancer and choreographer Terry Bixler. You can follow him on Instagram at Terry Bixler Official. The Kelly Alexander Show much for spending time with us on the program this week. We always appreciate it. And of course, a big thank you going out to our guest, Terry Bixler, for being so engaging and sharing all those incredible behind-the-scenes stories that are fascinating to hear. We also want to give a big thank you to our super producer, Adam Brisson. And don't forget that you can follow us on all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com, and checking out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash kellyalexandershow. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon.